You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Who really knows you? <laughs> yeah, God. Does anybody spend their lives, typically we spend our lives trying to be known. However, there's a hindrance to being known. And that is the fear of being known. <laughs> you tracking with me? Yeah. It is probably our greatest need of our soul, of ourselves, to be known. Who really knows me? The problem with being known is that it brings fear and wonder, because if you really know who I am, what I'm thinking, where I've been, what I've done, with whom I've done it, you might not like me. And specifically, you you may never ask me to come back and be your substitute preacher. (laughs) So, Rather than asking you to do something, rather than asking you to try to muster up a resolution, rather than asking you to draw up a list and prioritize God and put God on top and those things that aren't bad, but I don't think they're the place to begin. I would invite you to take a deep breath and allow yourself to be known. You get that? See, it's harder than you think. James prayed for the Holy Spirit to be a part of this message, and I would offer to you that it is the Holy Spirit who directs you to be known, that we even like to hide ourselves from being known by God. Now, that sounds silly just to say that out loud, yet from the very beginning, in early on in Genesis, when they sinned and began to take on the world for themselves and try to be the center of life, they were hiding. They were hiding from God. And God plays along and says, where are you? Tovu bistu, where are you? Which one of us hasn't come to church today with some part of us hiding from God. Just try to present ourselves in some form or some some fashion that is acceptable to God. So I would pray for you and the, the whole focus of this message is to try to get us into a different posture. Rather than a doing, focusing, get it done, organize our lives posture, I would rather us be in a posture of Readiness, acceptance, receiving, and allow ourselves to be known. I would offer to you that being known will change you in ways nothing else can. The new normal. First of all, indeed, as I've mentioned already, um, those of you who've been at Thrive for a while are keenly aware especially Mrs. Roth, that I am not John. (laughs) But I do enjoy the privilege of being a regular substitute here, and I thank you for the opportunity to proclaim the word of God in my retirement. 
It's a joy to be here and to get to know you and to be known by you. And what I love about Thrive is that that's so part and parcel to who we are as a congregation. The sign out there says, Thrive, you belong. Don't we all want to belong? But in belonging, don't we have to reveal and take the risk? What a joy it is to be a part of a place that longs to connect with others and take the huge risk of being known. Let's see if we can walk through this. The new normal. When John first gave me the message title or the sermon series title, I went, Brother John, let's go back to your grammar and spelling days. And uh, he was way ahead of me, of course. The new normal. Let's see here. The new normal. Am I on? There we go. This is the focus of our attention from Jeremiah chapter 9. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. That word could also be translated knowledge. In his wisdom or knowledge. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. What do you know about God? That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love. The word there in the Hebrew is chesed. There'll be a test later on. You've got to be able to get that out of the back of your throat. Chesed. No, you're not going to do that. I practice steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I want you to begin, I want us to begin the new year with an understanding of God's purpose. And you know what it is? To know you and to let you know you're known and let that knowing change you even as you are fully known. Boy, say that fast, I couldn't. So let's walk on together. There are basically three things that uh, Jeremiah is saying that God is directing. They don't really work. He's talking about health, physical ability, because there's a likelihood that um, you and I are going to make uh, resolutions or say, oh, this year I'm going to walk a mile. I'm going to lift more weights. I'm going to play more pickleball. And that was legitimate. There's nothing wrong with that. Play more pickleball. I've recently discovered Naples pickleball and competition, and I think that's a great resolution. Nonetheless, that's, I, I, I digress. Uh, many of us will, with wealth, uh, I know some folks who are trying to get their finances in order, and that's sort of an ongoing process, isn't it, especially in retirement, to keep things balanced. And, other, and then wisdom and or knowledge, I want to continue to utilize my resources better, think through things, not make foolish decisions, stop smoking, stop drinking, whatever that is. It's something to do with what we're going to cognitively do. None of these are bad, but all of them by themselves don't work. I want to take, for example, a snapshot of what we would uh, thought. Well, let's take a look at wisdom and knowledge first. And what I wanted to do, this is a snapshot. I was looking for some information from the net for what happens every 60 seconds, every minute of every day, there are 
104,444 hours of video streamed users on Netflix. Huh. There are uh, 2,704 app installations. There are 6,659 packages from Amazon shipped. At least half of those have come to our house. <laughs> there are Zoom participants of 208,333 participants in meetings. Do I ever need to see another Zoom? Ugh. 309 new users gained. What's that? Does anybody know what that dove is? What? Twitter. Oh, that's Twitter. I knew that. <laughs> 500 hours of video uploaded on YouTube. 344,000 plus stories on Instagram. Now, I don't know this one. 52,000 users connected. What's that one? T. Microsoft Teams. You live on that platform. Good, yeah. Uh, as you could tell, I don't. So I, uh, 41 million messages shared on WhatsApp. And again, about 20 million of those are us, our whole family. We have three kids and 10 grandkids, and we're spread from California to Chicago to Tennessee, so WhatsApp is sort of a way of life for us. 28 new tracks added to library. So there's like, huh, have we ever, 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 ever had this much access to this information? And here's the key that I wanted to offer to that is I don't think this is bad. I don't think it's wrong necessarily. It's to look for it as a resource. Are we any better known? Are we any more comfortable? Is our world better? place are more people better off than they were a hundred years ago without the internet. Huh. So I just kind of another glance at it. Global data created on the internet each day. Four billion active users. I don't even know what these numbers mean. <laughs> 2.5 quintillion. What is what is a quintillion? I didn't even a lot of zeros. <laughs> Okay, that's from our math major, so we're going to believe that. The millions of emails sent, uh, 5.5 billion Google searches. Oh my goodness, 69 million photos. Again, from our family, about 60 million come from us. 50 videos viewed, 5.9 billion. Websites hacked, ah, 100,000. 272 million Skype calls. What's this number? Uh, 5 billion. 5 billion gigabytes of internet traffic. And again, I don't know what that means. It's just a lot. How about this next one? Anybody know what this is? Electricity use? Megawatts? That's a lot of, that's a lot of juice. Um, and then here's one I never saw before. Two million or yeah, two million, two billion, two million tons of CO2 emissions from all of our searching. Now I can't verify any of these, but they must be true because I found them on the internet. Right. <laughs> so we, we laugh at that, but that, that's where we go for information, and that's the dependence on our lives. 
And I want to just ask a question. Are you any better known? Is your life any better off with that? And then there may be points in time that it is. Do you feel more at ease at rest? Are you strengthened? Is your soul nourished? Huh. This is what I kind of think it provides, is that life has become sort of an ADHD. I'm talking talking about the official diagnosis, but just where to look and how to get there and what to do and what's going on and all the information that keeps flowing. Am I overthinking this? I found this slide and I said, I got to put this because this is what happens when all this information comes at us. The analysis of paralysis. Have you ever got caught on Amazon reading through the uh, star ratings that, that are there. And uh, I was like, I'm buying pencils, you know. <laughs> but I want to see which one sharpens best. In fact, I, uh, you can tell I'm making that up because I don't even know people use pencils anymore. Anyway, they do, good. So my point is that what happens is this information overload tends to impact us and we tend to get frozen by it. Can it be helpful? Uh, of course. Does it nourish our souls? Does it help us know? Does it give us a greater sense of presence and power that does enable us? I would argue I don't know. I love this one. I found my imaginary friend thinks you have serious mental problems. Uh, the reason why I like this is because it sort of reminds me of what social media does. Social media just elevates angst. And anxiety. Everybody who has a passing thought or a frustration uh, dumps it on a social media platform and uh, allows that anxiety to become multiplied. There was a New York Times article about, um, what, I forget the exact headline, but it was about everybody who wants to speak to their manager because the slightest uh, inconveniences are being uh, treated with great impatience, whether it being worn down by COVID, by... Uh, but I, I read the article and I went, man, we are spoiled. We are so spoiled. And angst just flows freely. We keep wondering, what if, am I okay? And it, it raises raises questions about our own selves when we don't know, when we're not a part of, when we're not present? How do we look on Facebook? How do we look to others? It just becomes magnified and raises one question after another. There's no assurances. Jeremiah talks about, so we'll we'll switch there from that to might and power. He says, don't boast in might and power because that's not going to get you very far either. And I would offer to you that uh, this picture represents military power. And those of us who were a part of the Cold War growing up know the angst of that. The mutually assured destruction of two countries, and that time Russia and the United States, and the nuclear proliferation that was occurring and the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, point of that is, do we need to be a strong military country? Of course, do we appreciate our veterans? Absolutely. Does it give us a greater sense of assurance or peace of mind? I would argue, I don't know. 
So many of us will take these physical, physical fitness sort of resolutions. So I said, oh, I want to find some research on wellness. Our family is big into wellness and exercise. And I married a physical therapist, so we get lots of not just exercise, but full range of motion. No, full range of motion, Carl. So global wellness, and again, some meaningless stats. There's a lot of money being spent. Wellness tourism. I don't know what that is, um, but there it is. About $639 billion. Personal care, beauty, and anti-aging. One plus billion dollars spent. Fitness, mind, and body, 595 billion. Healthy eating, nutrition, and weight loss, 702 billion. Preventative and personalized medicine and public health, 570. You get, you get the point. We're spending a lot of money. And some of the most popular books that come out and rise to the top are diet books. I'm going to write one. It's called Eat Less, Exercise More. Short book, yeah. But brands, no, my point. My point is, is this wrong to pursue physical health? No, it's just that it just is this endless cycle. We're already dumping money into, with all this money and time spent, are we a healthier nation or not? Don't even want to go there. Many of the stats would offer, we are not. So we can't boast in that. How about boasting in our wealth? I found this one, I went, oh, I did this. Prior to um, <clears throat> uh, retirement, I was the vice president of ministry support for Lutheran Church Extension Fund and went around the country uh, consulting with congregations, asking the pastors and leaders two questions. What's your goal and how are you gonna get there? What's your vision, how are you gonna fund it? And we would build entire ministry opportunities around that. One of them was to show the nature of wealth. And so I would show various slides such as this to say, let's put some perspective on the nature of wealth. If we're going to boast in our wealth, the United States dominates the global millionaire population. We have roughly 6 million millionaires. Well, that's a lot, especially compared to other countries that are going on. So does that make us better off? Are we more whole for that? How about you personally? This is where you fit. If you have the income of the average American, which is just less than $100,000, and the average American, if you average that out for whatever an average means, and then you put that on a scale of global income, you and I fit right there. Are we happier, healthier, safer, or better with the world's most income? And the whole point of this is Jeremiah saying, look, don't boast in your wealth. Don't boast in your knowledge and your wisdom. Don't boast in your power, whether it's national or personal. You're just going to frustrate yourself. You make up a list of resolutions you're going to break, then you're going to feel badly about yourself, then you're not going to want people to know that you made the list or broke it in the first place, and you get on this endless cycle. All these slides, somewhat silly and certainly meaningless numbers after a while, are meant to illustrate what Jeremiah is saying. Don't go there. 
don't boast that stuff. It's not going to get you anywhere. And here we are, living proof of that as a nation. It just doesn't work. So what do we get from someone who's been there, done that? The ultimate somebody who's been there, done that. The richest man in the world at the time, King Solomon. And he wrote a book. It's one of my favorite Old Testament books, Ecclesiastes. And he says, don't go there because here's what you find out. Again, I saw King Solomon writes that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. Huh. So after all that, uh, Jeremiah says, don't boast. And Solomon said, it doesn't work. Let me tell you a personal story to kind of illustrate that. Like many of you, we were gathering with family. And I just mentioned to you that we've got kids scattered all over the country family in California, Tennessee, and, and in Chicago. The total 10 grandkids, when you put them all together. And this was our year to have everybody. So we wrestled months ahead of time of what to do with folks. It's 18 in number when we eat. We got teens from, uh, grandkids from 15 down to five. Um, so we've got, uh, we developed a spreadsheet. We spent hours. We broke it down to what meals, what day, what that would have to be, what's the best store to buy it at. Uh, so we became really, really good friends with the checkout people at Sam's and, and all that stuff. And uh, we had a schedule that went out. We shared it with, on Google with everybody so that everybody would know who was flying in, who was driving in, where were they staying, how could we get together. It was, uh, it was complex. Didn't work. <laughs> the first family showed up on Monday. Their youngest family, their youngest had COVID. Then his sibling got COVID. Then that sibling got COVID. Then that sibling got COVID. Then their dad got COVID. Then the last time that showed up from Tennessee, showed up on Christmas Eve. And then uh, on Monday, he got COVID. <laughs> and the battery died on his car as he was trying to leave. And then his wife got COVID. <laughs> and our spreadsheet, our spreadsheet went, well, I can't say what I was really thinking. <laughs> our spreadsheet went away. Now I read this again. Again, I saw under the sun, the race is not to the, those who organize a spreadsheet. The, <laughs> the battle, not to those who can afford to bring their grandkids in nor riches to those who can figure out what to do. Because time and chance, you know. Time and chance is what happens when original sin has its way. And stuff happens. You have your own version of those stories, I'm sure. The new normal, be known by God. Because nothing that we did do that. But you know what? It's 
will change you, will take you back to the original point that Jeremiah was making. It's not the spreadsheet you create, not the information you know, not the stuff you Google, but being known. Are you known? Before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The psalmist also says the same thing. The, the, the Lord knew me in my mother's womb. This is my life statement. That's why, although I appreciate those who are trying to amend the laws in our country re, re, regarding taking lives inside of the womb, I don't need any heartbeat questions, any time questions, because God knew me before I was in the womb. So it gets really weird. So when you talk about the knowledge of God, it goes back before time, before the foundation of the world. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You were known before the egg met the sperm before your parents got together and you were known and you were loved. That is so strange a thought and idea. To cognitively know you're known, to understand you're known. I would offer to you Ephesians 1. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. And just, let's just pause on that. Let's just absorb that. He chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. Their way of saying before creation started, God knew you. That we should be called holy and blameless. And he set up a plan that we would be known and be forgiven and be loved. Mary Louise's mom uh, has been gone now about five years, I guess. Uh, seven. Uh, sure, i got to get that right. It's like anniversary date. you got to get that right. Uh, uh, seven years. Uh, she uh, was, a, was a small woman, and, and she lost her son, uh, Mary Louise's brother David, when he was nine years old to uh, nine years, 13. 13. i got to get those right. 13 when uh, he was hit by a drunk driver uh, and while he was riding his bike. So the, right, one of those parental tragedies and horrific moments. I wasn't a part of the family yet and would just listen to the stories and, and about what that was like and talk to the pastor who went through all that. And, and uh, Ma Hill, as I would know her affectionately, was a uh, beautiful woman and loving and went through there and grew closer to God during that tragedy, if you can imagine, than further away. And uh, one moment I made a horrible mistake. I said, Ma, if you'd have known that your son David would have been killed, would you have had him anyway? <sighs> this short woman got fire in her eyes. And she looked at me like I was some sort of idiot. And we got along well, Anaya, and said, of course, I loved him. She 
was clearly helping me understand this phenomena. That before we were known, before the foundation of the world, which places all kinds of mysteries with time and space that I can't even put my arms around, God knew and saw us and knew and saw that we would rebel and made a plan with his son to make sure that his son would come and suffer and pay for Carl's penalties, shortfalls, pursuits, and do it anyway. What? 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 That he would know that I would be an idiot and a sinner and a selfish person and send his son in my place before it would all begin? He got a commitment from his son to say, this is going to cost. If we're going to create humans, they're going to walk away from us. They're going to turn selfish. And I want to be with them, to know them, and to love them deeply beyond measure. So you ready? So before the Lord said, let there be light, there was love and a plan for you to be known and you to be loved. I, even as I say those words, I go, how does that work? My hell gave me some insight, a little bit of a glimpse. That's how deeply and profoundly you are loved. He does quality justice. That's a, a very literal translation of the word for righteousness. He declares righteous. That's what God does. He declares righteousness. When God declares stuff, let there be, there is. It just, it just happens. It's just, so he says, let there be, let you be Perfect. <laughs> and guess what you become? Perfect. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, the word is justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Then I began to understand tragedies that I would deal with in, in, in ministry in the 38 years that I spent in ministry. The tragedy that had hit Mary Louise's family. The difficulties that have come into your family. The burial of children. And the tragedies that strike our lives. What happens is they get wrapped up in God's plan and God's love and God's knowledge and God's wonder. And he transforms them. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This is the Lord's fond desire, delight, and eager pleasure. You want to know what it is? What is the Lord's fond desire, delight, and eager pleasure? Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. The new normal is for you to know you are loved. All I'm going to ask you to do is accept that. You are loved and known from eternity. 
Just receive that. Don't fight it off. Don't struggle against it. Just receive what God would bring for you today through Christ before the foundation of the world. He knows exactly who you are, what you've done, where you've been, and sent his son to die for you. And then left behind what we call a sacrament, something that we can taste because these theological statements are so profound as to dizzy the mind go, what does that mean and how does that work and how can it happen before the foundation of the world? And he said, okay, 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 okay. Can you taste bread? That's me. Can you taste wine? That's me reminding you that I suffered and died for you and made the plan and the decision before the foundation of the world. So we're going to celebrate a sacrament a remembrance. And if you have any taste buds left after COVID, <laughs> any, receive as you would the bread. Take it into your body and your body cells and digestive processes make it a part of you so that that might be happening as well with your soul. And you can begin 2022, not with a list of things you got to get done, but with a powerful love that will change your life, change your relationships, and change the world. Nothing else has. That is the new normal. In Jesus' name, amen. Gracious God and Father, we pray for your spirit to bless us with the new normal, the normal of being known by you as dizzying and as hard as it is to receive and accept and understand, as much as we push back being known by others and present ourselves to different people in different places, we get used to being defensive and careful. But we come before your throne, confessing who we are, raw, bare, naked, visible, transparent. Know that you have loved us, not just now, but before the beginning of time. Allow that grace, that power, that love to permeate our souls this year, to lead us forward as those who are fully known by a God who has loved us from eternity. This we pray, confidently you hear, always in Jesus' name.